Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Thursday, August 12th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Doing very well. Have an announcement I can finally make official. I had signed a job offer this week to work for McGill University as a varsity broadcaster, and I'll be doing color commentary on a number of sports. I still don't have the details yet, but that's been in the works for weeks and finally signed a job offer this past week. So that feels great. Really interesting. I didn't know. So color, not play by play. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be interesting. You'll have to learn how to kind of insert yourself at the right time and become an expert in a lot of those sports. So uh, that's really cool. And give you some reps to get in front of the microphone at the very least. Good stuff. I'm happy for you, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's, we've been doing this, I think, eight months now. And that experience helped me feel the least slimy I ever have while writing a cover letter and saying, yes, I'd feel comfortable getting in front of a mic, talking about sports, giving expert opinion. So it's nice to take have been running in a direction with this and be going somewhere with it. That's really, really cool. And if, if anyone's interested, we're going to have to see if we can figure out, does U sport having streaming streaming service yet? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Okay. Okay. Cause I know the local Montreal channels will have the stuff probably, but if I want to take it in, I gotta, I gotta find my way through the, the back channels here. <laughs> I think everything's possible with the internet at this point. So, yeah. all right. Well, that's really, really cool. Super happy for you. And yeah, coming soon to uh, Montreal Airwaves near you and, and they're fine with you broadcasting in English. Wow. That's, that's also going to be fun time. Yeah. I'm McGill, a bilingual university, the women, especially play in the smaller Quebec only league. Whereas the men share a league with some Quebec universities and most of Ontario. But the bilingual regulations here more mean that there will be a French option available for someone, I assume, rather than. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so that looking forward to that. Who knows? Maybe we'll get some McGill athletes on the pod. And uh, yeah, yeah, so we'll see how that shapes this as it goes how's your week been not too shabby uh it's been really really hot here again no ac in this apartment uh reached to around 26 degrees 78 fahrenheit for those south of the border very very warm in my apartment i'm gonna go into the office tomorrow where there's ac just to survive the heat a little bit um got some frisbee in this week. I've been playing a little bit of Frisbee. It's been a while, but uh, Wednesday was probably the best I felt in a while running around chasing the plastic and uh, yeah, overall feeling good. It's hot, but can't complain about the weather because it's so nice to be outside before we <laughs> things start to shut down again. I absolutely can complain in, about <laughs> the weather and have been all week. I- think I've set out foot twice for groceries and visit a friend and other than that use this as an excuse to be a complete lazy bum so thanks for making me feel a bit worse about that excuse (laughs) but well I mean you're 
you're double vaxxed, so you'll be able to go and do whatever you want in the fall in Quebec. Because I saw the news yesterday. That'll be well. You ha- you have the passport, right? You have the keys to the city. Whereas uh, I don't know what the plan is going to be come fall time here, but universities. I'll be coaching the Western Ultimate Team, Western University requiring proof of vaccination now to uh, get on campus. So that's good, Um, which hopefully in the end can lead to numbers staying low and not spending another fall winter session inside. That's all you can pray for, right? 100%. Meanwhile, the sports world just keeps chugging along. Obviously, August. A little bit of a slower month, but we've still got a couple of things we want to touch on today. Some basketball storylines, some football. Obviously, preseason of the NFL starts tonight. Very, very exciting. We are now four weeks away from kickoff of the NFL season. Unbelievable how time flies. Cannot wait for that. Uh, Talking hockey, some tennis, and a little bit of baseball, too, to wrap things up. Quite the uh, soiree we've got on tap tonight. So without further ado... I had at the top um, the biggest news up until about an hour ago, Kawhi Leonard re-signs with the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, four years, $176 million. I believe that's the max he can sign for uh, with the Clippers. And yeah, everyone expected it. He was still technically a free agent and out there. I don't even know if he spoke to any other teams. It seemed like a foregone conclusion that he wants to spend the rest of his uh, career in L.A. Obviously still lots of um, unease and lack of information surrounding his knee injury and how the surgery has gone or if it's even happened yet and how much time he's going to miss at the beginning of next season. Uh, But just like the Brooklyn Nets, the Clippers, you got to pay this guy the max amount for him to stay. And so you're paying a ton of guaranteed money for this guy to sit on your bench for half the season, but they lock him up and who knows Kawhi, right? He is the, the father of load management. So come playoff time, having him fully rested might be the best thing for this team. Yeah. It, one of the few times a player signing a contract for over a hundred million dollars feels like it might be slightly undervalued, probably just coming in the wake of Steph Curry and Luka Doncic, both breaking that $200 million barrier. The injury does throw a wrench into that though. It's you, I'm really not sure what the Clippers are signing on to for another three, four years. I think the fourth year is player option, but with Kawhi, you have no choice, right? You have to pay him the absolute max that you can pay him. And if you don't do it, you know so many other teams would be chomping at the bit to do so. They've already more than doubled down with all the draft picks shipped off to Oklahoma City. And I, I've said this before in the past. I don't know how much the sentiment is. I don't think it's ring or bust for the Clippers. I think having an era of being a continuous top four team would be a pretty acceptable result for the franchise. It would be a period where potentially they're bigger than the Lakers and just establish their culture. We're still waiting for that marquee playoff matchup between the two of them, right? Yes. Yeah. We need that. 
um, both teams falling earlier than expected the past two chances, but a run where they meet in the Western Conference could really seal it. And just everything about Kawhi's character, the when he went to the Clippers, brought George, get, making them mortgage their future for it, it would have been kind of beyond shocking if he had deserted the team. So not really a huge surprise, just a chance to stop and check in on how this experiment has been going for them. Yeah, it. I totally agree with some of the points you made there uh, that you brought up that it's not such a bad thing for them to be an intensely successful team uh, without a ring in a loaded Western Conference because, as we saw, last year was the first time that organization had ever made the conference finals, right? It's a, an organization that has been haunted. It has a pretty brutal history and a lot of mistakes by ownership, a lot of players that flamed out there. And so even though the expectations are sky high and you want to win a ring, sometimes it's good to have a team that goes deep a couple of years and really builds that core fan base amongst younger uh, viewers because they've never had success like this before. And so sometimes that is all you can really ask for. There's that side of it. And then the side that I would take is they are spending so much money. Like Steve Ballmer just, when he walks, he sweats like actual coins. He's just so rich. And they're spending all this money on guys. They've gone all in. They've mortgaged a lot of their future, his owned by the Oklahoma City Thunder, that it kind of feels like they choked out in the bubble. And everyone thought they were going to choke out again against Dallas, that luckily Kawhi had it. maybe one of the best two-way games of all time. And they move through. Then they get all the way to the Western Conference Finals. And if Kawhi is fully healthy, they probably beat the Suns. And who knows, then in that point, they could they could probably be the title uh, favorites. So in that regard, with a healthy Kawhi, um, you have Reggie Jackson re-signing yesterday as well. This is a team that has all the pieces in place pretty much, same as last year, that if I'm them, the expectations 100% are go for a title because they haven't really done anything notable yet uh, from the objective eye. But in LA, they've made that Western Conference Finals. Obviously, it's a big accomplishment. You're looking to build on that now. Yeah, that's it. That, the happy side of free agency, players getting hundreds of millions of dollars. On the not so happy side of free agency, a player getting mere millions rather than tens of millions of dollars. Dennis Schroeder signs a one-year mid-level exemption valued at $6 million with the Boston Celtics after earlier in the season turning down a four-year 80-something million dollar offer from the Lakers. Uh, I think my favorite headline I've read on this is Schroeder's just been in a state of shock these past days, weeks, as the weight of what he's done sinks in. Unbelievable, right? It, if, I mean, whoever his agent is, needs to go because they told him that he was worth 120 million for most of this last season. And he listened to them and the warning bells should have gone off the second that he wasn't offered a big contract on the first day of free agency. Right. And we know that these teams negotiate deals and contracts even before 
free agency actually hits, how else do the Chicago Bulls and the Miami Heat pull off a signing trade with like an hour into free agency, right? Of course, there's a little bit going on. Who knows if the NBA will ever be able to prove it, but with that happening, the fact that Schroeder doesn't get that call really early on in free agency, that's instantly when you know your value is not what you thought it was. Um, and around the league, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of perimeter guards who can score now and do what he does. And obviously teams valued guys they had in their own organization, valued other guys, maybe thought he was asking for too much. So didn't even consider giving him a contract early on in free agency, just looking for other options. And by the time all was said and done, there's a lot of money handed out and nothing left for him. So once again, he's got to take this one year, re-bet on himself. I'm sure he'll get a decent contract coming out of this year, but nowhere close to probably what he what he could have made with the Lakers when they offered him that extension. So really fumbled the bag on this one, Dennis. You feel bad for him. In the end, he's still a multimillionaire. So you don't feel too bad in that regard. He's still playing professional basketball, but um it kind of changes things because it's wealth for your family for many, many generations compared to wealth that with most of the lavish lifestyles that NBA players live, you'll probably go through before you retire or like reach a retirement age. (laughs) So that's a tough one. In the realm of making fun of him and why I feel completely justified and is put into perspective with another sports. You think about the contract Taylor Hall signed with the Buffalo Sabres, I think for $7 million, maybe 1 million more, which was like a, I'm going to take one year at the highest price I can get betting that I can go earn. So I think that worked out for him almost as well as he could hope he signed like a four-year six million per year contract with the Boston Bruins something around there yeah and if Schroeder has a minor to moderate success with the Celtics at the level of oh yeah this is a guy we can use for the next couple years he'll go on to earn a bigger contract than Hall with like putting way less relative value to the team Uh, but i do find it interesting he went with the celtics where i think he's given probably turning down a little more money than he could have made in the hope still of betting on himself i feel like the pelicans there must have been some team that would have been ready i don't know if any teams had really any money left a lot of teams were capped out or close to the cap and so no one really had money left to spend or if they did it was probably a team that had a bunch of guards already and didn't need him he just he he got to the end of free agency and there was nothing left yeah well this i mean switching out kemba for Schroeder. i yeah after a year where the celtics core kind of struggled or just individually i think tatum and brown had pretty solid numbers but they weren't able to win at a high enough rate so i think the celtics and shooter both probably undervalued relative to what they should be going into this season so that'll be a pairing with both a bit of a chip on their shoulder and expect to come out of the gate firing 
yeah, it's definitely a great signing for Boston. You just, Marcus Smart is still there, but you are looking awful small in that backcourt compared to the way the league is going now with some bigger playmakers at point and at shooting guard, like Pritchard, Schroeder, Marcus Smart, none of those guys are over like 6'2". So it's it's definitely small, uh, but you make up for it with some of the wing length that that they have in, in Tatum and Brown. All right. I, I definitely, well, speaking of small guards, I guess we can jump right into Summer League. Uh, it's been really, really fun. Obviously, like a lot of the stuff that you'll see isn't translatable to actual NBA action. Um, but there are some things that you can see that provide a foundation of what players may be. So when you have James Booknight showing off his multitude of moves, Jalen Green uh, with his shot creation, and then Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, uh, Jalen Green, some of these guys playing high-level defense, um, you know that their athleticism will translate once they pick up a couple of games under their belt in the NBA. Uh, and it's been fun to watch all of these guys play so far. And I wanted to shout out a couple under the radar guys in terms of like first round talents. Obviously they get a lot of buzz, but I want to shout some out uh, from what I've seen in summer league so far. And the first guy uh, is Davion Mitchell who fell to, I believe the ninth pick to Sacramento. Um, a guy people saw going as high as, six or seven um, to Orlando or, or to Golden State Warriors, but he falls a little bit. Uh, some worried about his size at six foot one, not necessarily a, a imposing defender, but he's was nicknamed off night for a reason, right? Uh, it's, it's a great nickname to have and watching him absolutely put the clamp down on James Book Knight in the Charlotte Sacramento tilt a couple of nights ago. Um, also added 10 points and nine assists on the offensive side, but there are just a couple of possessions where book Knight pulled out like every single move he had in his bag on one position on one possession. And Mitchell was right in his pocket the entire time, right in his Jersey. He moves his feet extremely well. He's very physical with smaller guards. Um, even book Knight has a little bit of height and length on him, but he just was, he made his knife a living hell for that night, which was really, really entertaining. And him and Tyrese Halliburton are two really fun guards. Even De'Aaron Fox plays a high level of defense. They've got a lot of uh, really feisty, quick guards now that can rotate in and out and play some solid defense. So maybe Sacramento's finally taking a step in the right direction to finally break their uh, longest uh, postseason drought out of any North American sports team. Wow. 2004. Uh, next guy I want to shout out, underrated. Um, and this was a guy that I had in my top five at the very, very beginning of the college season. Played at Duke, uh, ended up leaving the team kind of halfway through the season. There were some worries about his off-court attitude, but never any questions about the talent. And Jalen Johnson with the Atlanta Hawks scooping him up at 20 in the first round is going to fit so well around Trey Young and the rest of that team. Uh, like he's 6'10". Uh, he's a walking double-double points, rebounds, and 
he showed some really great flashes of stuff that he'll be able to contribute right away to this team. And they're going to have a really young backcourt coming off the bench. So really young team overall, right? When you talk Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella even is like the oldest guy on that team. He's like 29. And then off the bench, you'll have Okongwu and Jalen Johnson as your front court, which is a lot of talent, a lot of length. Um, it's really exciting stuff. And it just, it's nice to see uh, him and, and even Jonathan Kaminga, who's been great so far in summer league. Some of the guys that have the off court worries when they're on the court, they're talented. And hopefully you, you rely on some of the veterans on Atlanta, on Golden State to keep these guys in check and make sure that they're focusing on basketball and bringing their best selves every day to the court because they can provide so much when they're actually on the court and engaged and locked in. Atlanta might be occupying close to everyone's favorite spot their franchise can possibly be in right now, having made a deep, intriguing playoff run that puts their franchise on the map and also getting better through the draft in the off season, as you can do with a ridiculously deep draft. It was the position we hoped to be in as Raptors fans at the start of this last season. So congratulations to the Hawks on that. Mm -hmm. And Scotty Barnes had his second game. He has struggled offensively. I know he had 18 in the first game. Um, he was in double digits again, but the efficiency is not there right now. I think he is in a role on this summer league Raptors team that it requires him to do a bit more scoring than he had to at Florida state. I think when he's with the Raptors in the NBA and, and being a guy that's more of a glue guy to begin with, really going to take on that like OG Ananobi role as when OG was in his rookie season. <laughs> OG might still be in that role. I'm actually a little worried about what happens if the two of them are still well, on the court. So I was, I heard some numbers the other day where after Norm Powell got traded, OG Ananobi's stats elevated to like kind of Siakam levels of the, of the title year when really? Siakam was the section second option to Kawhi, like kind of 18 points, uh, six rebounds, three assists, like he was shooting over 40% from three. There's actually some great underlying stats there when OG started getting more touches where he was scoring at a higher rate and having some good offensive upside, which I know is music to your ears. Um, but Scotty Barnes is going to be relied on to be that rookie OG where it was take tough matchups, learn how to play defense at a high level in the NBA, um, grow into your body, see how you can contribute off the ball in an offense and, and Scotty Barnes loves to do that. He'll set screens, he'll cut. Um, he can knock down a couple corner threes as he showed last night. So there's going to be so much learning opportunity for Scotty over these next two weeks. And then going into the season, I'm, I'm really pumped to see him inserted into that role and having OG and Pascal take the next step in their development. Yeah. would love to see it. It's really the willingness to take offensive risks and, not get called for charging in OG's game because yeah I, there's stretches where he's my favorite player and then there's stretches where I have to specifically like divert my eyes to the corner three spot to even know where he is on the court offensively for five six minutes of the game so if he's in that role and Scotty Barnes is a bit reticent on offense could worry about it but 
as you said, music to my ears, that those numbers trending after Powell. So, so excited to look for that. <laughs> yep. It, it is going to be great. And, and Malachi Flynn, Freddie Gillespie with some highlights in last night's game. I wanted to shout out some second year players. Generally, teams are hoping that your second year players will really look special in summer league because they have a full year of NBA basketball under their belt. And summer league is just a lower level. And there's a lot of fresh players or a lot of guys who are past their athletic primes. And so your second year players really should take that lead role. Um, Emmanuel quickly, Desmond Bain, uh, Bull Bull has been really fun. Uh, Patrick Williams had a big night the other night. Aaron Neesmith had a big night the other night. These, these second year guys who are like Patrick Williams was the fourth overall pick uh, in last year's draft. So some guys who maybe don't need to be playing in summer league are, and they're showing how much they learned from their first season of basketball. And um, it just, reassuring for those teams where your second year guys are are being stars in summer league because that's what you would expect from them and if they're not then you have some worries about what sort of role those guys are going to be on your team uh, moving forward into this season williams especially interesting with we talked just the other week about the starting five the chicago bulls might have and on paper he's their floor for what the level of that starting five can bring so the more you see out of him from summer league the more excited you can get although on paper things like lonzo's shot making ability demar's defense could also be definite floors for the that bull starting five that is that is that is a great point patrick williams is going to be the key to this chicago season because you've got a pretty solid starting five in place but none of those guys play a like high level defense. Zach Levine competes. I'll give him that. DeRozan has some decent length, but really like never has been a solid defender in his career. Lonzo Ball, solid off ball defender, but really at the point of attack, which is what he's going to be required to do a lot of times. Again, not great. And then Vucevic is just not a rim protector by any means. So a lot of sub average defenders in that starting lineup and Patrick Williams every night will be tasked with taking the toughest offensive assignment on defense with the size that he has. And he had to do a lot of that last season anyways, but it'll be so, so important for him because if he has one off night defensively, this Chicago team's going to be torched. So he really is kind of the floor of their regular season success. And then an absolute key for any playoff success that they have, he's going to have to be fantastic defensively, like almost all NBA defense level, because he's going to have to make up for a lot of the other guys in that starting five. That'll be a fascinating thing to get a measure of the first 10 games and then check yeah. in on towards the end of the season, yeah. especially playoff possibility pending. Yeah, it is It is taxing if you're the guy that's required to take the toughest matchup every night. That's why Kawhi was so excited to go with PG because he could just load manage. Basically, he was load managing in the playoffs up until like the fourth quarter and was finally like, okay, now I'll take Luca for this quarter. <laughs> Right. So it's important to have more guys to play some of that defense, take the load off your, your top defensive guy. All right. All right. We've got about That's it. 20 minutes left on this show. Yeah. I mean, most of the stuff we had to talk about was basketball. So That's we will move on. Uh, preseason starts tonight. I believe the kickoff game for NFL preseason is going to be the new England Patriots and the Washington football team. Uh, will be interesting to see who is the starter 
for the Washington football team. Probably going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick, but you never know. Taylor Heineke could be inserting himself in there. Uh, and then on the Patriots side, will it be Cam Newton? Will it be Mac Jones? Will it be Brian Hoyer? Who are we going to see? Uh, again, similar to Summer League, this is going to be our opportunity to see a lot of these younger rookies come in. How will they perform? How will they read NFL defenses, even if it's second stringer, still important? Um, and it just reminds me that I, I have my fantasy draft next week. I'll probably be doing it live on the show because uh, people have scheduled it for seven o'clock. So I have to multitask. Um, we'll make a segment out of that. Exactly. I can keep everyone in the loop with who I'm picking. Uh, always a fun time, but I have to start getting my thoughts together for the season preview, uh, which will come, I guess, probably the Sunday before uh, the, the week one kickoff on Thursday night. Really looking forward to the NFL season. It's always a September is just always a great month. Normally it's associated with going back to school, going back to university uh, this year for us. <laughs> kind of the case but not actually going back for school purposes um but the weather is usually still pretty nice in september obviously football starting and you're really heading towards like your thanksgiving your uh christmas time i don't know fall fall is just good vibes always for me i don't know why <laughs> being able to go outside in shorts and a jacket's always a nice time <laughs> definitely an interesting look but a good one nonetheless Fall will also be the kickoff of the hockey season, but we are not there yet. Uh, some news coming through here on a uh, on a signing for the Florida Panthers, who have had a pretty good offseason for the most part. Uh, I don't think we had them as a winner or a loser, but they did have some savvy moves uh, in the offseason, and, and this seems like another one of those. Max, I'll let you take it. Yeah, this trade completely slipped both of our radars when it happened on July 24th. The Florida Panthers acquired one Sam Reinhart from the Buffalo Sabres, giving up Devin Levi and a first round pick of the 2022 draft. Levi, the starting goalie for Team Canada's World Junior Team, passed year that saw Levi take home the tournament MVP honors, or at least, gold, I think it was tournament MVP, on his way to helping Canada get silver in the tournament. Uh, Spencer Knight, the gold medal winning goalie of that tournament, also on the Florida Panthers. So a team that had a plethora of strength and they use it to get a fantastic forward in Sam Reinhardt, a guy whose value is probably pretty overshadowed being on the Buffalo Sabres his whole career, where he's been second fiddle to Jack Eichel and had a negative plus minus his entire career. But since about his third season, his, he's in his sixth now, he seems to have averaged around 0.7 per game in scoring. And I love this transition to this Florida core, which we didn't have the Florida Panthers as our winners, just uh, free agency period. But if we had a trade deadline onwards, with this move in mind, I would 100% have them. Uh, acquiring the top 10 picks, Sam's. First, they added Sam Bennett, who had a wonderful bet he could have hoped for last 10, 12 games, where I think he put up 15 points or something around that scoring pace. So adding Reinhardt to that core, which now includes those two Sam's, Huberdeau, 
Barkov. Uh, that's going to be such a fantastic top six. They've traded some of their unnecessary goaltending value and improved coming off a second in their division regular season. And pushing uh, the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to a solid six-game series. That was a bloodbath of a series. Really, really entertaining. Um, and I, I guess they obviously think they have a shot at it again next year. Aaron Ekblad should hopefully be back. I won't know if he'll yeah. be ready for the start of the season, but uh, coming off his injury, um, hopefully we'll be back in time to see a lot of him. I think the biggest question for this team is going to be in that because Spencer Knight, decent couple of games in, in that first round Stanley Cup playoff series, but really like unproven at the NHL level. And it looks like he could be their starter with both Levi and Trigger gone and Bobrovsky not the guy that he used to be. As soon as he signed that contract, he turned into a pumpkin. We're still waiting. Maybe he'll have a comeback year, and that'll be what Florida needs to really get to the playoffs. But they could have a $10 million backup on the books, which would be very pricey and an unproven Spencer Knight. So certainly question marks in goal, but up front, and basically the rest of their team is really, really solid, and, and that can also be a decent formula for winning. Yeah, that $10 million backup position feels a lot less painful if your starters having a cap hit of under $1 million. I'd completely forgot about Ekblad somehow looking mm-hmm. at that lineup coming next year. He was on pace for his best season yet. I, like He was blowing the rest of the defensemen out of the water in terms of goal scoring before his injury. So all eyes on the Florida Panthers. All right, that's all the hockey we've got to talk. Uh, some quick unfortunate news in tennis. Both Felix Auger-Alessim and Denis Shapovalov falling out of the National Bank Open. In this week since it started, the second, third and second round, respectively, for each player. So that ends their hopes. Bianca Andreescu already... I think she's just won one game so far. She'll be playing in the third round, or maybe she's won two matches by now. Just one, my mistake. That ought to be tomorrow. So looking forward to that, but otherwise disappointment so far. Uh, I think Bianca's playing right now. Oh, that would make sense. How's that going for her? She is... Uh, down a game. I think she's down a break to uh, Ons Jabour, who is the 13th okay. seeded player in this tournament. And yeah. the highest ranked ever uh, Arabic athlete. Oh. She was in my presentation I had to do last semester on uh, Middle Eastern sport. So cool little fun fact for you there. Well, as long as we're hovering around tennis, um, other big upsets include Isner over Rublev, the fourth seed on the ATP side of the draw. Um, Guy Malfi coming over Francis Tiafo, who took out Shapovalov. Tiafo seems to be consistent with having a wonderful upset and then losing soon after, taking out Shapovalov at this tournament and Tsitsipas in the opener of Wimbledon, but not making it into the semis or anywhere particular deep in either tournament. And all things proceeding as per usual on the women's side 
All right, that gives you a whopping 10-ish minutes on for baseball, Owen, so please take your time. That would be my pleasure because I know how much you want to listen to me talk about baseball. <laughs> the Toronto Blue Jays are right in the thick of things in the wild card race. They have taken, uh, they have split the first two games with the Angels, and I believe they took the third game. So looking to get a series win tonight uh, against Shohei Otani on the mound for the Los Angeles Angels. Looking forward to that one. I want to talk about the Blue Jays kind of home stretch here as we head towards hopefully the playoffs for them. They are in the thick of things. Uh, Steven Matz winning the fifth rotation spot in the starting rotation kind of by default as Ross Stripling goes down with an injury. Uh, so you'll have Ryu, Manoa, Berrios, uh, and then you'll have Steven Matz as well in there. Um, and I'm obviously missing the fifth right now, but it, it is a solid rotation at this point for the Jays with the pickup of Berrios. You kind of have two really consistent arms to go to with him and Ryu as your two aces coming at you from different sides with, with different approaches. Um, that'll be really important for them to get some good, uh, starts out of those guys. But I think the key for this team really solid through and through is the bullpen. Will it be able to hold up when it gets to crunch time and they're playing a bunch of games in a row down this final stretch and they're facing teams like Boston, like New York, like Tampa, like Oakland, who beat the Cleveland baseball team or sorry, Cleveland guardians 17 to zero today, uh, there's some teams that can really mash and the bullpen has been a little shaky to put it nicely. We've given up some leads. We know that the blue Jays can hit, but you can only hit so many times before you need your pitchers to shut things down on the other side. So that'll be the thing that I'm looking most at coming down the home stretch for the blue Jays. They're right behind these teams, two and a half games out of a wild card spot. Obviously Oakland with a big win today uh, keeps their spot in check, but Boston down big to Tampa Bay right now. Um, so lots of scoreboard watching going on. And, and obviously the Yankees not yet underway or they just get got underway against Baltimore. So lots of scoreboard watching, but all you got, all you can do is beat the team in front of you. So Shohei Otani, get ready to get rocked tonight. Uh, battle of a couple AL MVP candidates, him and Vladdy and even Marcus Semyon, man, what a great contract that's been. He has been just fantastic. And George Springer as well really turning it on as a late. So go Jays go. I hope they make it the playoffs. I'd love to go see a game. This is a complete novice baseball question, but why are the Blue Jays and the LA team both in the AL? Uh, so in baseball, they don't split it by Eastern Western Conference. What did they so say? Random. It's, I don't know the history well enough, but there's the American League and the National League which honestly just mean nothing, but uh, two different leagues, National League forever had the pitchers hitting. Uh, I think they went to the DH last year, but now they're back to pitchers hitting again. That's pretty much the only difference. Um, and so the in the American League, you have your American League East, which is where the Jays reside, uh, your American League Central, and your American League West, and then the NL has the West, Central, and East as well. So your two conferences actually have divisions all over the place and so there is some more travel than you would see in an eastern and western conference based league 
baseball just does things weirdly. And because of the history, they're never going to change it. But it is kind of weird that you're trying to chase down Seattle, Oakland, LA, because they're in your your conference. Uh, but you also, it's the furthest team away from you geographically. Yeah, I was just trying to draw some sort of squiggly border in my head that would catch Toronto and LA on the same side of it. And yeah, yeah it was a very... Well, you've got the Angels in the AL and then you've got the Dodgers in the NL. So <laughs> lots, lots going on. Baseball is just kind of like this. Yeah, clearly novice question, like I said, but... Yeah. That's all right. Some novice listeners as well. Cool. Well, that's it for sports. Uh, I wanted to shout out new Marvel show out uh, started on Wednesday. What if cool concept, Max, I don't know if you'd be interested, but it is an animated show, but it involves uh, moments in the previous movies where something different happens. And how does that change the, outcome of the marvel cinematic universe so the very first episode came out on wednesday agent carter becomes the super soldier instead of captain america and what the fallout is from that and it looks like there's going to be some other cool episodes coming forward it's just a cool way for marvel to introduce you to the multiverse which happened after uh loki and and no spoilers obviously here but um phase four looks to be really exciting I'm super pumped for Ant-Man, for the new Spider-Man, for the new Doctor Strange, all those movies that are going to incorporate the multiverse. Marvel really can go anywhere from here. I love the first episode of What If. Going to see Suicide Squad tomorrow, hopefully. I'm pumped for that. I've heard it's very gory, which isn't necessarily my favorite thing, but we'll see if I can stomach it, and uh, maybe I'll have a review on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear that. Um, the Marvel Universe becoming more and more like the comics, eh? That multiverse, a thing they've done for a long time. So cool to see a way to take that on. Yeah. Uh, for if we're doing media recommendations, I'm in the middle of binge reading one of my favorite novels ever called Overgeared, which is a Korean novel set decently far in the future when virtual reality and artificial intelligence are both perfected. And it's about this MMORPG, massive multiplayer online role-playing game that happens in virtual reality where every NPC computer player has like perfect AI and the entire game is governed by like a master transcendent AI that tracks and evaluates everything. And so it's basically a second world that takes place within the reality of our world where all things fantasy are possible and it has the structure of a video game. So all effort is rewarded fairly as opposed to our world where you could consistently knock it out of the park for eight months and have not much reward from that. Don't know what I could be talking about there. But I those chapters come out online every like four times a week and I let them pile up for a year and a half. And then I just read them all over the course of two days and now currently going back and reading them a bit slower and having nice. a blast doing that. That's great. Awesome. So there you have it. A couple of recommendations, one very much so mainstream and then one a little bit outside of the box, which is fantastic two different personalities colliding there. It just makes for good content, you know? That's all we do. We just make yeah. good content. Just knock it out of the park. <laughs> just buzzing. 
All right. Thanks so much for listening. That's going to do it for this one. I uh, appreciate each and every one of you. Max, I look forward to uh, helping you get some more reps for commentary. We may have to even end up doing a bit of a U Sports preview with all that knowledge you accumulate. Um, yeah, good stuff. And, and uh, we'll see you all in the next one. Definitely some highlights and previewing of important matches as they come up. The more I get passionate, this podcast all about just us talking about what's on our minds. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to what other, whatever other off-season content we scrounge up before regular season kicks off. Some fantasy, some top lists, some number one improved team, number one sang team. Who knows? I don't. You'll have to stay tuned to find out. Till next time, Sports Next Door signing off.